is Popular Technology Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Welcome, everyone. This is an, a new edition of Popular Technology Radio. I am Mike Etchart, and for crying out loud, I am joined by Jason Masters. Jason, the dog days of summer. What is going on? You know, it is that time of year again when we get a little sneak peek at some of what Apple is doing before they announce all of their new phones in the fall. So it's always an exciting yes. time to see what they're up to. Worldwide Developers Conference. And, and I'm kind of noticing, you know, we saw, we as we always do when we go to Las Vegas in January to see the uh, Consumer Electronics Show, you see all kinds of stuff that isn't even nearly ready for, for primetime in terms of it being in stores. I'm seeing a lot of things kind of that I saw at CES, or not a lot, but some of the things at CES starting to come into the stores now. Some won't come till even the fourth quarter, but I'm seeing certain things. I'm seeing a specific TV that I, I really have an eye on. Remember we spoke with TCL back in uh, in January? Right. One of the one of the bigger companies now, Chinese uh, manufactured China, uh, televisions. They make fantastic stuff. The one that I want is now in store, so I'm... Uh, thinking about pulling the trigger on that mm-hmm. so and what was it about that tv that was special it was it that it came with like a really nice sound bar or something like that no it just has a lot of the great features it's just a great tv in fact the wire cutter has it as their best kind of entry level in fact it, it wins a number of awards as just kind of best tv overall and mm. it's for a 55 inch it's about 650 dollars. so it's not very expensive it's got a lot of full features that make it a, just a beautiful set and, um, you know, I'm kind of, well, we're going to talk actually in the second hour about HDR and we're going to talk about some of the things that are somewhat new to televisions that if you're kind of thinking about maybe it's time to upgrade, it's a good time to upgrade. So we'll cover that. But it's, you know, some of these things are coming into the stores and mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. There's always things we need. You know, speaking of TVs and also briefly Apple, I'm kind of surprised that Apple hasn't really come out with a, a tv yet you know they've got the tv os that they've been upgrading regularly they make monitors they make all-in-one computers with screens it i'm i'm just amazed that they haven't made a tv yet well remember there was chatter boy it's probably been, been maybe three years ago two years ago i'm, I'm losing track of time but the, it was wildly rumored that they were working on one and then that kind of died down and and you know, I th- I, th- I think they just don't want to be in that business because it is kind of a race to the bottom. That's that, true. Know, and if there's not a lot of money in it, and as we know from our friends at Apple, one thing they do well is make profitable devices. And I think you know they <clears throat> that that's my guess. Nobody really knows. I'm sure that they may still be working on one just to see if they can make one. Um, but that's you know that, that rumor died down, and then we don't hear anything about it. But I think they just want to. It's it's a brutal business, you know. It's really tough. Yeah, there's been a lot of people uh, entering into that space and then quickly leaving it. And well, and a lot of the big names that have were in the space for years and years and years are no longer there. Right. So and and wasn't it wasn't Sony? Didn't they kind of di- even dial back, and they were kind of a bigger one? Well, they well you know. Or did they dial back on other things to focus on TVs? <laughs> Well, they, I think they change their tune from time to time. They, yeah, they have a couple of good sets right now, um, but you know it was theirs to lose, and because you know you go back a, not a generation, but let's go back, let's say fifteen or eighteen years, the Sony set was the one to have. They were the market leader. They had the the best quality, and they lost that. And and 
you know, it, it, we've seen the evolution in terms of, of countries of manufacture. You know, you go, go way back, go back well over a generation. And, of course, everything was U.S. made. And then the Japanese took over. Then from the Japanese, the Koreans took over. Now, like with TCL, the Chinese are taking over the manufacturing side of a lot of this. So, right. uh, it, you know, Samsung and LG took over from Sony. And now they're losing market share to TCL. Um but, you know, we've – I think you and I have talked about this and I've mentioned it on a number of radio shows. I remember going to CES back in the late 90s when plasma sets were first coming out and those early plasma sets were, what, $8,000 for – Yeah, I remember each – it was kind of – each set. new TV that was coming out, was, the minimum was always ten grand. Yes, exactly. Very, very expensive. And here we are talking about a really market-leading, category-leading television by TCL that's 55 inches – and 650 bucks and you can get a lot cheaper than that and so it's a race to the bottom and i don't know how these guys do it but they're still cranking out well it, a lot of it has gone to the chinese and kind of the, the lower end of the market not many people are spending those kind of the, the money for the super high end like the oled sets right there's not as much um difference between the you know, like my Sharp uh, Black Friday deal, I got a 55-inch TV, smart TV, for $300, and it looks it's fantastic. Insane. looks fantastic. And, you know, there's there's definitely some features that you're going to get when you double that price, but it's not as stark of a difference as going from, like, a, a big box TV that weighed 300 pounds to a flat-screen TV, and you're like, I got to have that. Yes, no, exactly right. So I think a lot of people are, are questioning whether, you know, if it's worth the upgrade. And it's a smaller percentage of people that it that, that the upgrades matter to, I think. Right. Well, and, you, you know, if you look at, you know, spending $600 or so or getting something that's more in like the $300 range, if you have $600, you can be considering get one for the living room and for the bedroom. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So it's a wonderful time to be a consumer if you're thinking televisions. Um, but it's 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 brutally competitive if you are a, a manufacturer. And, but boy, the stuff that's coming out is fantastic. And again, we're talking about considerably sub $1,000 for big, big televisions for 55 inch TV. That's Huge, you know, and and, and you'll, you'll remember those early days of plasma when I think those were 42s typically. That was the size at the time, and they looked enormous. Right, and it's, it's amazing that they can even ship it to your store yes. to keep it the, the price that low. Exactly, and uh, now you go to somebody's house and they have a 42, you're like, mm, that's kind of a little set, you know, and <laughs> when I think about when I grew up, you know, as a kid, and, and I'm, I'm a generation ahead of you, you know, the, a standard size TV was about 20 inches, and with terrible, you know, if you had cable grade, but even pre-cable days, you would over-the-air television on a little 1920-inch set, and you sat back 10 feet. You could barely see anything. <laughs> <laughs> we are spoiled, 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 spoiled. So on that note, what do you say we take a quick break and then come back and let's talk things Apple, Jason? Let's do it. All right. We'll be right back. You are listening to Popular Technology Radio. On the track, even one hundredth of a second decides who wins and who loses. That's why Bridgestone uses advanced racing technology to create their fastest street legal replacement tire yet. The new Bridgestone Potenza RE71R. Engineered with an innovative hydro evacuation surface and unique tread compounds, the new Potenza RE71R is designed to give you maximum grip and ultimate cornering on or off the track. Bridgestone is changing the game in tire performance. 
Welcome back. Mike Etchart with Jason Masters, PopTech Radio, talking about things Apple. It's the Worldwide Developers Conference happening. So, Jason, you, you're an iPhone owner. But I am. You're, you're still a relatively new guy to Apple, aren't you? How long has it been now since you've switched from Android? Uh, I think it's been about probably three years because I had uh, my first iPhone was an iPhone 6 Plus, and I now have a 7 Plus, and it's Almost paid off, so maybe two and a half years. <laughs> Almost paid off. Now, what made you? Now, it, so you are now. I've been a, an Apple guy since the beginning. Uh, always Mac computers, and then of course iPods, and then iPhones, and Apple TV. But you, you, you were you. What made you switch from Android to to an, uh, to an iPhone? Because you were a big Android user and a fan, right? I think you know. Um, the six was the first one where you could get the bigger phone. And part of it was just doing this show. I wanted to put myself outside of my comfort zone to see what everybody else liked about Apple. And uh, now that I'm there, uh, I see a lot of what people like about it. And what do you like about it? Well, um, I think the main, the main thing that Apple has over Android that doesn't show any signs of going away is the difference between the operating systems and how that translates to standby battery life. Oh, battery life. Yeah, because Apple, when you're not doing anything on it, or when you're, you have a bunch of apps that are in the background, it's not trying as hard to keep those running. So I, I've just noticed that when I'm not using my phone, it stays near 100% for much longer. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, and and in terms of <clears throat> so outside of battery life, do you kind of do you care that that the, do you like iOS better than Android, or is it just it, it, it's all the same to you? But the battery life was really what sold. You, you. know, they've been, they've both been moving toward the center for so long that a lot of the initial differences where it was like Apple does this one thing and you're not allowed to change it. Every year they add a little bit more customizability, and you can move apps around, and so the a lot of the the differences have started to fade. And um, we're a, we're a dual household at my house. My my wife has a uh, Android um, Galaxy Seven, I believe, uh-huh. and we're always comparing, you know, photo quality, video quality. And one of the other differences was that um, she has uh, the the Galaxy phones got the OLED screens before Apple did, so right. the content that you're shooting on the Android device looks really sharp when you're viewing it on the phone as well compared to the, to the Apple phone, which shoots great quality video and slow-mo um, and, and that really never shows any signs of having any hiccups. Right. Um, but then again, the, the, it's kind of looking like the, the rumors are that this next round of iPhones are going to start getting those OLED screens. So the, again, the differences are getting slimmer and slimmer. Yes, but now you have not been sucked into the Apple ecosystem, really, right? You you have an Apple iPhone, but you're you're not a Mac user on computers. Do you are are you a tablet user? Do you use the i the the um, uh, the the Apple tablet? No, I um I mainly just use a, a desktop PC and occasionally a laptop PC. Mostly just using Gmail and things like that. Right. All right. We've got to take a quick commercial break. We are talking things Apple. We'll come back with more on the Worldwide Developers Conference when you are joining us in the next segment. It is Popular Technology Radio. My dad is a proud doer. 
always building, repairing, or maintaining something. He relies on Craftsman tools, and I do the same. Today, Craftsman mechanics tools, metal storage, and lighting are available from your favorite retailers. But that's only the beginning. A full line of retooled and refined products are on the way. Find your favorite store at Craftsman.com. And stay tuned for more big news from this trusted American brand. Hey, welcome back. Popular Technology Radio, Mike Etchart, Jason Masters, Talking Things Apple. Worldwide Developers Conference is happening. So, Jason, you'll recall, or do you even remember when Apple would go to the other trade shows? And, of course, there was Macworld. Um, Apple is is the big behemoth. They don't need to go to CES. They right. didn't need to go to the old uh, Apple uh, trade show. But now the, the only thing they really do that's consistent is, is Worldwide Developers Conference. Right, and that's kind of how it is for Microsoft, too. They, they're just so These big. Days. Yes. Yeah, they used to go, and now they're just like, no, you come to us. We have too much to, to go over. <laughs> right, exactly. So this is the big confab uh, for, for Apple, for the developers, of course. And we were ex- – well, there was – in the rumor mill, there was going to be some hardware releases, but that didn't really pan out, did it? No. I mean, this was mainly um, updates to um, – FaceTime and TVOS, and I guess that makes sense. This is the developers' conference, sure. so they're going to be talking about people developing for Apple. But they sometimes do give you sneak peeks at new phones. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never quite know what, what they're going to do. There's always really They like to leave you wondering. Right, right, right. So what has you excited about the announcements out of WWDC? You know, it sounds silly, but I feel like I um, I see a lot of people using those new Animoji. Um, they, they had this great video they played where um, he was FaceTiming with a bunch of people because they can now support like 32 people FaceTiming at once. Um, but some of the people had the Animoji skins over them. They were obviously using an iPhone X mm-hmm. uh, because it was using the Animoji stuff that, that can... Um, track all of your facial movements and so one of the one of the other developers in the video looked like a panda and (laughs) with how much you've seen the you know the girls on instagram with the dog ears and stuff i feel like at some point we are going to see a lot of people using the animoji almost exclusively for how they look on social media they'll just be doing videos as a panda or as a puppy and that's just – they're just like, yeah, I like being a puppy better. And, and this is – and again, this is the, the – the, when I look at things like this, I, I'm just you know, so aware of the generational difference of things I care about between <laughs> other – you know, versus those people because I could care less about that. That, that, had, that has exactly zero interest to me. Yet I know that, that those are the kind of things that sell phones to, to a certain generation. Right, yeah, and and again, I don't see myself using it that much, maybe just to get a laugh at first, but I, I didn't think that adding dog ears to yourself in every photo would be that popular either, and yet it is for all of the, uh, you know, the social media stars. Right, 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 and and yet, well, and like I said, clearly that's important to a, a vast segment of the population. I just happen to not be in that segment. <laughs> 
So that's that's and when those things when I hear about those things, I'm like, gosh, I could care less. Can't we talk about you know what's under the hood or something? You know, to, to me, that's not the least bit sexy in terms of technology. But right. gosh darn it, God bless them if that's what they if that's but what reaching you're those young people is the exactly. the height of what tech. Uh, companies are trying to do is you know there's increasingly uh you know young people are not using facebook so facebook uh by way of their other company they own instagram are constantly trying to make sure that the young crowd is still interacting with their stuff and sure and those technology platforms have divided themselves into generations or into demographic segments and yeah, it, it, for for my kids' age, they're not interested in Facebook at all. <laughs> and yet for my generation, that is kind of the go-to platform. But that's why they bought Instagram, and it makes total sense. And I get it; it's just not my thing. Yeah. So you're saying that the Animoji was not the top of your list for this not event? Top of my list. <laughs> no, 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 not not at all. But you know, they they we were going to get an iOS uh, upgrade, are we not? Yes, and twelve. Um iOS 12, this is also uh, one of the things about this event is when they announce the new operating system, they also announce which devices it will be uh, available for. And that's kind of when you find out if your phone is too old and you must upgrade. (laughs) Did you make the cut? Yeah, exactly. And that's what's nice about this one is that uh, iOS 12 is going to run on all the same devices as iOS 11. So this is not forcing anybody's hand to upgrade at this time. And I, I, I've forgotten now to be exact, but I think it's going back to the five still, right? I think we're, we're, we're we can mm, go back. No, I think I think it goes to the six. Oh, it's only the six. Okay. Well, yeah, just... you might you might uh, that we I could be wrong, but it's somewhere right around that five six mark. Um, yeah. Right. right but right. but so, if uh, if if your uh, phone does happen to be not making the cut, this new round of phones coming up in September is going to make a seven or eight. Very affordable, and I highly recommend an upgrade to either of those devices because they're both so awesome. Well, I'll tell you what is – so So I'm currently using a 6S. Um, what, what, what gives me pause is because I have so many darn headphones around the house, I'm not ready to abandon the headphone jack. Even though there's an adapter, uh, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to mess with that just yet for, for my go-to you know, day-to-day phone. Right. I'm still hanging on to the, to the old – you know, headphone jack, which which of course after the six is is no longer it's it's a, it's Bluetooth only or the adapter, right? And you're not the first person I have known that has been like, you know, I actually had the newer phone and I decided to sell it and buy the last one back because I keep losing the little adapter and I just don't want to deal with it. No, nope. and that is exactly where I am, and that's because uh, I've got some you know fantastically expensive and wonderful headphones, and I'm not ready to abandon those. Conveniently, even though you're not completely abandoning them, abandoning them with a with a newer phone, but that's just kind of my my thought. But on that note, we need to take a quick commercial break. Jason, can you hang? Let's do it. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. It's spring. Time to wake up and get a great deal. Jolt them out of their winter slumber with Dodge Challenger, the most affordable V8 in its class. Or Dodge Charger with up to 300 horsepower with 30 MPG highway. Or Dodge Durango, the most powerful SUV with available all-wheel drive in its class. Spring's here, and so are the deals. So wake up and join the Brotherhood of Muscle. Based on Ward's Middle Specialty Vehicle Segment, EPA estimate, actual mileage may vary. Based on 2017 Ward's Miss Export Utility Vehicle Segmentation, excludes other FCA US LLC vehicles. 
get his popular technology radio, Mike Etchart, with Jason Masters, kind of wrapping up the WWDC announcements. So there's some uh, Apple TV announcements, Jason. Now, I am an Apple TV user. What do you use for your streaming device on your television? You know, I have a couple. I have a lot of the... Um the big names uh, in my house. I have, um, well, I have a smart TV in my bedroom, but um, I wasn't quite into the way that the smart TV worked. So I have a, that's so, yeah, it, it wasn't that smart. So I um, uh, got a Google Chromecast on my bedroom TV. And then in my living room, I have both a Google Chromecast and an Apple fire stick. I'm sorry, not Apple. I have an Amazon Fire Stick. No, they paid for it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, interesting. And, and do you care? Is it just? Are you ambivalent about the difference between the two, or or or? Um, I, you know, I really like the um, the Chromecast mm-hmm. because it, it puts all of the um, the shows and menus on my phone, and my wife and I can both. Uh, use our phones as a TV remote and take over the TV and put something on, and it ne- it leaves neither of us going. Where's the remote? Or give me your phone. And uh, so, and and then and anybody else who comes over my house and joins my Wi-Fi network can also then throw things to the TV from YouTube. The, you know, they can go, hey, check this out, and they can immediately have access to just toss something on the TV. Right now, and so yeah, and I've been an Apple TV user now just since I've had a streaming device. I, I like well because I have an Apple ecosystem at home, and so a few announcements. So, and, you, and you're a charter customer, I think, right? I think Apple's right. Apple is slowly getting. <laughs> it seems they are slowly kind of you know, not more than dipping their toe, but they're they're leaning towards some sort of cord or some sort of skinny bundle cord cutting thing. Right, and the same with Charter now. So Charter. Um, TV is uh, Charter Spectrum, and they have finally also... Which is what I have. I keep thinking I have Time Warner, but of course it's now Spectrum, Okay, which, which is the merger. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. So they, they've also started moving toward the cable cutters little by little. And so now they're, as of a few months ago, they're offering um, a $20 a month pick which channels you want bundle. Mm, and so, so the, I don't have TV. I, I use, well, t- we'll t- tell you in a little bit what I use. But so I'm not a charter television or spectrum television customer. Right. And actually, neither am I. I only know this because um, okay. Charter sends me things in the mail every single day. But I'm well aware of, of their advertising that, that you can pick which channels you want from a big list of. Uh, the ones that they have, and it's twenty dollars a month. And so now this partnership with Apple makes it so you can sign into uh, a, an Apple TV Charter Hub and watch those channels without having a cable box, which is nice because um, it's just one more thing in the house that that I currently I don't have. Yeah, exactly, and uh, it and and it's a it's a pain in the butt to have that because those those are often the dumbest devices in your in your ecosystem in your house. Right, the, the cable box is the thing that requires that extra remote that sits on your your uh, your coffee table that somebody picks up and you go, nope, not that one. Put that down. That's just there for. Don't touch that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't use that. No, no, no. Just but it has to be out because we we need to occasionally need it. But yeah, it's. <laughs> 
It's very unelegant. It is very unelegant. Now, what, now, what are you using? What are speaking of of kind of skinny bundles or over the top stuff? What are you using these days? Um, are you? I get all of my content either through Hulu or Netflix or HBO. Okay. And HBO you can get through Hulu. Yes. Right. 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 I am using Directv now for the moment, which is their skinny bundle over the top as their you know OTT service over the internet connection. Uh, no satellite, and uh, but it's 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 got all the major networks and and some of the other things that I wasn't getting in Sling TV, which I used for a while. So I'm kind of making the rounds and seeing what I like, if anything, the best. Um, yeah, and of course, I remember for a little while um, Sling they were kind of missing some of the big players of the channels. Right, and of course the challenge for all these skinny bundlers is that that's not the way they buy content from the big content creators. So you know, it, it, it's there's lots of kind of jostling right now to kind of figure out how it's going to be delivered. And I mean, we're ultimately, we of course are moving to an a la carte service, which is, which is what we all want, right? I like kind of this charter thing where I just want to choose the, the channels that I know that I watch and that's all I want. I don't want to see the other channels even. I don't right. want to. And CBS is kind of like one of the last holdouts where they're like, no, you have to pay $10 just for our channel. <laughs> I don't think it's not quite because I have the or is, CB. Isn't it? Maybe it's like eight dollars or something. I, but I, I, you don't even know. I think it's five bucks. Oh, is, it, is it? Maybe they've lowered it since. I remember when when Colbert first started. I was like, okay, I got to be able to watch my Colbert because I love Stephen Colbert. And then <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have to pay just not for this channel. Much. Do I want? I'll watch it. watch it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. So you know, we we. But that's the challenge of, of being a cord cutter or being a skinny bundler is, you know, what you, you, it, it, you really have to do your homework when you're shopping for these different packages. And so it's going to be interesting because, you know, Apple has threatened for, well, you know, we, in our a couple of segments back, we were talking about the, the rumors back in the day, maybe three years ago, they were going to have a television. And of course, they have so much money, you know, and they are creating their own content as well. So what, what does the future of Apple look like? Are they going to have some sort of a skinny bundle service? Are they going to partner with another big, big company like Disney? And, of course, Disney and Apple has an in- intimate relationship through acquisitions and things like that over the years. Um, well, and they own most of Hulu. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's going to be – you know. They're going to be a player in this somehow in some way. It's just how how it's going to be, and we're getting glimpses of it as as you know some of the announcements at WWDC. But you, you have you tried an Apple TV? I have. My dad has one. I've set up his for him, and it okay. looks it looks great. I, it's there's just never been any reason for me to pay the the hundred plus or two hundred plus at one point dollar price tag to get what I could also get through. Um, Chromecast because I don't have like home movies on my Apple computer that I'm pushing to the TV or anything like that that would require the ecosystem. Right, 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 right. Exactly. So yeah, I can see that. But I, I well, like I said, because I'm a I'm an Apple zealot, so I have I have Apple everywhere. In my and head. and so are are there are there parts of the Apple TV that you use that are in some way tied to your computer? Not really. No, I mean, uh, the, it, you could you can access iTunes from directly from your TV, which is okay. Kind of, so you could buy or rent movies in 4K. It, 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 yes, of through, course, and through or, that. or just access my music, access my music library, which mm. is and then play it over the TV in the living room. Yes, over the living over the living room. System. And and is most of your library or all of your library in iTunes? Yes, 
Yes, it is. Okay, that makes a big difference. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not a, you know, and I must say, I, I don't love iTunes, but it's just, you know, since the first iPods, I've been using iTunes. And so I'm just, you know, we, we get set in our ways. Right. And that, I mean, well, maybe we'll talk about this in the next segment, but Apple and their relationship with music is um, changing. Yes, uh, yes, it is. It's evolving. How, how about we use the word evolve? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, let's talk about that in the next segment. All right. You are listening to Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchard and Jason Masters. We'll be back after these messages. Have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com. Welcome back, everyone. Pop Tech Radio, Mike Edchart, Jason Masters, talking a little bit about WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference that uh, is happening and happened uh, with Apple. And one of the things I'm excited about, Jason, is support for Atmos on my Apple TV. Atmos, of course, is the the new flavor of surround sound. How's that for a right? And for, I think I think um, you know people have known about the the Dolby. Um, cache for a long time, but they may not have really known what it takes to be Dolby certified. And now the the new Dolby Atmos, they have probably heard that that name and known that it means new, better sound. But probably a lot of people don't really know what that really brings to the table. No, what what's re- what I really like about it is is the the ability to really place things. You know, when you have like a a 5.1 surround sound system where you've got a center channel, you've got a left and a right and a rear right and a left and then a sub. It's very directional. You can tell where it's coming, um, you know, which which speaker, which which channel it's coming out of. The great thing about Atmos is it allows the, the mixer, the folks that are doing it, to actually place it above you and around you and, and to kind of have movement and motion, which which was not – in, in typical surround sound, you weren't able to do that. So if you go to a, an Atmos outfitted theater these days and you see a, a new movie in, the, in Dolby Atmos, it's pretty dramatic. It's a dramatic shift in the way sound moves around you. And there's a big push these days. Also, the music companies are, are putting out, uh, you know, there was a, a music surround sound kind of uh, uh, revolution maybe 10, 12, 13 years ago. Or eh, revolution is the wrong word. It, it, it's a, a market segment that likes uh, music mixed in surround sound, and they're doing music now in Atmos, and it's pretty dramatic. One of my good friends, Greg Penny, is involved in some mixing of Atmos stuff, and when you hear things mixed in Atmos, like Sgt. Pepper or some of the Elton John records, um, and and newer artists as well, it's it's awesome. And so to have that, just you know, again as as a built-in functionality on. Uh, on the uh, Apple TV box is pretty cool. Uh, I'm a fan, and when you hear it, have you heard it? Have you have you seen any of the de- or heard of any of the demos, Jason? I don't think I have, but it makes sense for Apple to, you know, keep adding in these, you know, highest of high end um, yes. flavors into their, you know, TV OS. It kind of it, uh, for the people who are the 
maybe uh, slightly higher income. The affluent <laughs> has a man cave with you know like a tiny home theater where you really just want to just be blown away in your own house by renting or buying a 4K movie from your Apple TV and then have the best sound. Yep, yep, and that's that's of course has always been. You know, the Apple uh, is a is a uh, is a BMW or a Mercedes as opposed to a more utilitarian device, and so they're gonna they're gonna come with with the Atmos support, and and, and they are so. I, and I and I like that. I, I do not have an Atmos system for my home. They do make Atmos systems, which basically have upward firing speakers that reflect off your ceiling, huh. and they sound pretty darn good. I was I was a little bit suspect when I when I was. Kind of first hearing about them, but I have heard them at CES, in fact, and uh, they sound pretty good. And Sounds like a good movie to like watch Jurassic Park. Or, exactly, yeah. it, for popcorn movies, it's fantastic, you know, and that's really where those, uh, where where the engineer, the sound engineers working in movie studios get a chance to work that kind of magic and really use the Atmos system to its max. It's it's you know it's for a rom com not so much, but for you know anything anything popcorn superhero movie right i'm just imagining like inception's big bassoon sound kind of coming over the speakers exactly and when you have those you know and it's just it makes that movie making movie watching experience i should say uh in the house all that much better it's 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 really nice so it's so you know it's coming and uh, boy if you haven't if you haven't gone out to an atmos outfitted theater to watch a movie i highly recommend it uh, you know they're coming, and, and if you live in a small city, you may not have those options. But if you're in a in a decent sized town or, or city, certainly a lot of the theaters do have Atmos now and are being af- outfitted with it, and uh, it's pretty neat, right? It's and pretty- and I mean, your first thought goes to watching a movie on this, but the fact that Apple is it's kind of there's there's an article on Fast Company right now um, that's from about a week ago that says Apple Music steps closer to becoming a record label, and why not? And uh, and that makes perfect sense to also tie in this Atmos thing, because you know you can imagine having a an artist pair up with Apple, sure that wants and, to do yeah, to and record just like a hugely produced album that has Atmos in mind and have this immersive epic music experience that Apple can um, kind of slightly trap within their ecosystem, so. Even though uh, you know people may be Spotify users, they'll still need to dip their toe back into the Apple world, or Apple can at least get a little bit of their their cash if they want to be able to hear these songs the way they were meant to be heard. That's right, exactly. Let's cover that in a second. We got we need to take a quick commercial break, and we do that. We will come back more on Apple Music and what's happening with that when, uh, on Pop Tech Radio. Stay right there. Alan Taylor here, and I wanted to share the news with you about the new Haynes Manuals Online. They're the worldwide leader in vehicle repair information, and they now offer online manuals that are formatted to fit all electronic devices. With Haynes Manuals Online, you get all the trusted content of the Haynes Printed Manual, but with so many added features that help you get the job done right. I ordered one for my car and accessed it right through my tablet. There are now over 180 Haynes Manuals Online available covering cars, trucks, and motorcycles. You can order yours today at Haynes.com. 
We are coming back. It's Pop Tech Radio. Mike Etchart with Jason Masters. You know, we mentioned in the last segment, Jason, Apple Music. They are they are doing well. Right. I, I think there, there's been so much spotlight on Spotify because of their going public as a completely just it, their whole public company is Spotify. And Apple has so many other things in their ecosystem that that Apple Music can kind of get left in the in the background when you're talking about Apple. But uh, Spotify has just been huge, and they're a huge competition to Apple uh, with with their streaming. And um, now they've incorporated podcasts and comedy, spoken word things. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they are, they're a really huge competitor to Apple when it comes to, like you were saying, you have your Apple TV connected to your computer and because you have access to all of your library of music. And more and more... Uh, most of the people I know don't have a library of music. They just have maybe a few offline playlists on their Spotify, but otherwise they don't own their music anymore. Yeah, and and it's 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 a uh, a situation or it's a it's a yeah situation that I am constantly you know just trying to figure out what I want to do with it because I have thousands of compact discs of CDs and still some vinyl albums. And you know when you when you look at the convenience factor of having a subscription service, whether it's Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, um, or it's pretty pretty much Apple, Spotify, and Amazon are the biggies. Um, you know it's hard to beat the convenience of of calling up any album ever made, <laughs> and you know you do have a quality difference a bit. But um, you know, once you once you have that, and I have you know big custom made shelves for all my compact all my CDs. Mm-hmm. It just don't need that anymore. But Apple is really, you know, Spotify was really kind of, again, a lot of these things are generational. Um, certainly, all, my kids were were in Spotify early on, and a lot of the kids use the the free service with advertising. Um, but Apple is really, in fact, Apple is outperforming, I think, the expectations and or at least the time frame with which they are becoming a, a you know catching up to Spotify. Yeah, as as of this article that we that I was talking about on Fast Company, they have 40 million paying subscribers. Right, exactly. And so of course, and, and but they got a, you know, they were able to their their acquisition of Beats had a lot to do with Beats had created a music service and Beats of course had, was was Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine who was a, a senior executive at the Universal Music Group and uh, my former employer and he um he had created that that subscription service prior to being acquired by Apple. And so that was really one of the things that Apple wanted. They were interested in the headphone line, but they really wanted that music service because it was it was already up and running. So Apple, you know, was able to acquire those contracts and things like that and get a music service up fast. And they are really because they're they're really doing a good job with it. And I'm a subscriber myself. I like I don't really care that much between the t- between Spotify and Apple Music, but just because I'm in the Apple ecosystem, it, it just is cleaner to me. And and we're now hearing that Apple is is maybe considering being a record label and signing artists directly, uh, like like music labels do, which makes sense because they're creating television and 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 movie content. And why not own the the copyrights for for music? Right. Yeah. I mean, with Netflix and Amazon uh, really being the first to create their own content instead of buying movies that were coming out of theaters. Now, you know, we've been hearing for a while, Apple's going to be coming out with their own movies, their own content, and music makes just as much sense. 
and of course, you know, the, the the part of the DNA of Apple is really music. You know, Steve Jobs, right. late Steve Jobs, was of course a gigantic fan, and and they're they're embracing and their creation of the iPod and the iTunes and the iTunes Store, which which basically started everything. You know, when you look at it, took Apple. And their their kind of might to to bring the music labels to kind of digital sales, and which of course begat now we have subscription services, and and it's you know it and it, it, that's kind of the way it is now. If if you're a, a a music consumer, you get your music through a subscription service or through YouTube or just kind of surfing around. But many and most. You know that that core demographic of music buyers between let's say thirteen and twenty five, they are almost exclusively subscription users. Now. Right. Not in a way, to- in a way, Apple they they kind of with the the iPod and stuff like that kind of paved the way for a lot of people to get rid of all of their CDs. Yes, they did. <laughs> and, and and once you've gotten rid of your CDs and your music is digitized, it's hard to tell the difference between music you own and music that you are borrowing. That's exactly right. Hey, on that note, Jason, we come to the end of the hour. So let's let's uh, break for the news. When we come back, we're going to have Jeff Morrison from The Wirecutter on talking about lots of things in terms of quality of video. Love it. Love The Wirecutter. Indeed. All right. Stick around, folks. we got the news, and we'll come back with hour number two of Pop Tech Radio. Where does the love for a car come from? If the car is a Subaru Legacy, the answer would be the symmetrical all-wheel drive. Power goes to all four wheels all the time for optimum grip. The Subaru Boxer engine's lower center of gravity makes the Subaru Legacy more responsive around corners and gets better fuel economy than front-wheel drive competitors. What you have then is a mid-size sedan with grip, handling, and enviable fuel economy. It's no wonder it turns people into people who love cars. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Popular Technology Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Welcome back to hour number two, everyone. This is Popular Technology Radio. Mike Etchart, Jason Masters, and our groovy guy friend, Jeff Morrison, editor-at-large for Wirecutter. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing well. And do you, you know, I call you Jeff, and I see you also, your byline is Jeffrey. Which do you prefer? Um, pretty much everyone calls me Jeff. It certainly has fewer syllables. It does. It's that oddball G-E-O-F-F spelling. But we should also mention he is also, not only is he the editor-at-large at Wirecutter, he's also an author, Undersea and Undersea Trophia, both available on Amazon. When you're Thank not you. doing the Wirecutter things, a little plug for you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate you. So let's talk, you know, I, I, as I hinted in the first hour, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to pick up a new TV, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm very tempted by the TCL that you guys in the Wirecutter have raved about. And one of the things we wanted to cover today was was the new thing. It, it's been kind of the it's been talked about at CES, of course, on everyone's lips, HDR, and how that is a component in new televisions that most of us are interested in and would want to know about. But a lot of people don't. It's it's I've certainly mentioned it at, at different get-togethers with friends, and they look at me uh, bovine stare, like what are you talking <laughs> about? So let's talk up first about HDR and what that is and why that's important to those of us looking for a new television. What is HDR, Jeff, and why should we all be interested and, and aware of its existence and figure out what it is? Yeah, so HDR stands for high dynamic range. And 
the confusion I think with a lot of people who have at least have heard about it is that it it's it it has the same name as something you might see on your phone or your camera, mm-hmm. and it's actually. Although somewhat similar in concept, it's actually the implementation is radically different. So on a TV, it means that the uh, much brighter images, um, a greater, as it says the name, a greater dynamic range. So there's brighter whites and darker darks. And in addition to that, a wider variety of colors and just overall a more realistic image. Better than what we could do with TVs, you know, say five years ago or or certainly before that. So you need um, an HDR TV, but you also need HDR content that's made for it. And we can talk about content too. That's important. Uh, yeah. But as far as the TVs go, um, I think most mid-range and higher-end TVs at this point have HDR, which isn't to say that's all the same. Um, the better TVs are going to have better-looking HDR than the cheap TVs. And it's possible that the cheapest of HDR TVs might not really show anything. So, uh, and did anything different with that HDR. So let's talk about before we get deep into HDR. Uh, what do you guys consider a mid-range TV? I know that the TCL that I was looking at, which is a 55 inch, around 650 dollars. You guys are calling that mid-range. Is that is that kind of is it 500 and, and a you know around five five to 700 is mid-range, and then above seven or 800 is is higher range? Or what do you guys kind of as a rule? Yeah, I mean it, it moves very quickly. So yeah. um, especially like the highest. Like the best TVs you can get right now are OLED. Uh, best looking TVs are OLED, and those when they first come out in the during the year, like right now, um, they're really expensive. But by Christmas time last year, they dropped by sixty percent. LG has a tendency to just dump the prices of these things at Christmas time just to move them. So, um, so top tip: wait for Christmas time to buy an OLED. But um, but yeah, I mean that's some something under yeah between five and five hundred and a thousand dollars for different sizes. I mean that's I, in my mind that's at this point kind of a mid range TV, which is funny because when I first started reviewing TVs, like you could barely get any flat panel TV for that price. Certainly not a fifty five inch. So um, it's kind of fascinating to see the prices drop as the sizes go up. Well, and we we talked about that in the first hour before you got here as well. It's just stunning, you know. You you remember? I remember being at CES back in the day, in late '90s or whatever that was, when they introduced the first plasma sets, 42 inch, and what were they, ten, twelve thousand dollars back in those days? And I think the Fujitsu's were fifteen, between twelve 15? and fifteen. Yeah, and they were a two part system. They were not HD. They were 42 inches. They looked terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, those were amazing. Falling over themselves to pick up a, a fifteen thousand dollars TV, not falling over. Oh themselves. yeah, but there were people that were buying them, and crazy when you think about how how quickly we have the prices have dropped and how competitive it is, it, and what you get for your money now. It, it's it's stunning. So yeah, and that's kind of the dirty secret of the TV industry. Like they they all look pretty good at this point. I, I I it's rare that you'd find one that doesn't look at least acceptable, which is a big change from even ten years ago. Yeah, well, and and then let's you know when we're talking about HDR, obviously you're 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 not going to go to Target, let's say, and get a three hundred dollar set with HDR, probably anyway. Um, but but is HDR go all the way up to OLED, or or is HDR not an OLED thing, not needed in OLED? Um, it's it is an OLED. Uh, it, it it's certainly needed. It, it lets OLED kind of run free. It's like you know letting taking the speed limit off the highway, you know, and and letting the car do whatever it can do. So, yeah, you know, you can have your Hyundai going 100 miles an hour and maybe it's fine. I shouldn't say Hyundai. They actually make really good cars now. But (laughs) uh, (laughs) so I don't know. You're um, you go. Yeah, sure. Um, 
so yeah, you know, with a stiff breeze behind you, maybe that's that's it, it doesn't matter that there's no 65 mile an hour speed limit. But with you know your brand new Porsche, then yeah, hey, look at that. You're you can go 150 miles an hour because it can go 150 miles an hour. So um, so yeah, oh, oh, the HDR kind of lets these higher end TVs run free. The the cheapest TVs they might and I kind of mentioned this before they might have HDR. They might say on their spec sheet HDR. But they don't have any mechanism inside to actually show it. And so this is kind of a like a lame thing that's going on right now in the low end of the market where the TV can can read the HDR content. You can feed it in HDR content and it'll decode that and show you an image. But the image itself is an HDR. There's no way for the TV to show the greater colors or the greater dynamic range. Um, so kind of HDR and name only. Um, so that's kind of lame. Something to, to keep an eye out for, you know, if you found a bargain basement television and it and it says HDR on it, and you think you get a great deal, you might not be getting HDR. Well, hold that thought. We got to take a quick break because we'll come back. It's like, how do you know? So we're talking with Jeff Morrison. He's the, the editor at large for the Wirecutter, talking about all things television and displays and HDR. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Pop Tech Radio. On the track, even one hundredth of a second decides who wins and who loses. That's why Bridgestone uses advanced racing technology to create their fastest street legal replacement tire yet. The new Bridgestone Potenza RE71R. Engineered with an innovative hydro evacuation surface and unique tread compounds, the new Potenza RE71R is designed to give you maximum grip and ultimate cornering on or off the track. Bridgestone is changing the game in tire performance. Welcome back, everyone. It is Pop Tech Radio. Mike Etchart with Jason Masters and Jeff Morrison, editor at large of The Wirecutter. We are talking about HDR. Now, you threw a little stink bomb in the room there, Jeff, uh, on the way out of that last segment. You said lower end TVs say HDR on them, but they cannot, in fact, decode HDR. How is a consumer to know that when you're out buying TVs? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, I mean, generally, you're going to have to find some respectable reviews um, out there to see if it actually is because the company themselves, they're certainly not going to talk about it. Uh, you need something like local dimming um, to uh, which because different parts of the backlight dim depending on what the content is. And the more elaborate that local dimming is, the better the HDR will look for the most part. But again, that's again not something that's a lot of that talked about on the lower end. So yeah, it's really just trying to find some decent reviews. Um, CNET obviously does a good job. Wirecutter, we we try to cover a lot of that stuff. Um, there's a couple of like there's a site called Rtings, R T I N G S, um, that uh, reviews. Um, TVs really well, like a lot of TVs, and they do a really good job, and uh, and a few others. They, they do. They kind of they'll dive into it and say, yeah, this isn't really HDR; it just decodes it. Interesting. Okay, so let's say I pick up that TCL, the the one that you guys have raved about, and that is 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 uh, obviously and clearly has HDR and is it's proper HDR. What's the next thing I need to look for as a consumer? Now I need to get a a, a movie, obviously. Uh, yeah. What's 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 out there, and and I assume this is done in post production or or in in the colorization, not the colorization, but in 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 the in in the post production of of movies. They are doing this HDR process, and is there a lot of content out there? There's a fair amount of content out there, and it's growing. Um, the beauty with HDR is there's been so it's kind of hard to explain, but with movies, especially when the ones that are shot on film, 
there was always a greater dynamic range than what we saw at home. Mm-hmm. So what our um, televisions could do and what, let's say, DVD or HDTV, the the grand color scheme and um, dynamic range of film especially had to be kind of dumbed down to work at on televisions at home. So as studios go back into the original film masters of these things or a lot of uh, even HD and ultra HD video now – has a greater dynamic range as well. These things can be converted or just mastered in HDR to show off either what we haven't seen before or show what the current people were actually um, shooting at this point. So, um, so there is a fair amount of content now, and it, it is growing, and it'll grow in you know pretty pretty fast as these companies kind of redo what they're doing, you know, redo their old back catalogs. Um, and there's there's certainly some stuff like especially the first you know the early transition from uh, away from film to digital uh, recording for either for TV or even some movies those early video cameras they didn't have much dynamic range or resolution beyond what was possible with uh, the televisions at the time so though that era let's say roughly early 2000s to maybe late 2000s or even early aughts or whatever no the teens whatever we're calling it this decade um that those that era those shows and movies if they were recorded digitally might not have as much uh dynamic range in colors compared to older stuff or newer stuff but that's a small amount of time compared to the vast amount of content that's available out there um you know in in studios back catalogs so that's uh, so that much i've got to take a yeah, quick break sorry. we're talking about hdr with jeff morrison of the Wirecutter, editor at large we'll got more with that when we come back it is pop tech radio My dad is a proud doer, always building, repairing, or maintaining something. He relies on Craftsman tools, and I do the same. Today, Craftsman mechanics tools, metal storage, and lighting are available from your favorite retailers. But that's only the beginning. A full line of retooled and refined products are on the way. Find your favorite store at Craftsman.com, and stay tuned for more big news from this trusted American brand. back popular technology radio mike etchart and jason masters and jeffrey morrison he is the editor at large of the wire cutter and we are talking about hdr we are talking about the content and the relative availability of it and how they're going to go hopefully go back into the deep catalog of the of the film products and and remaster now now jeff the problem i see with this is is like with music sometimes for whatever reason it has to be a pretty popular movie for them to to basically invest in that in the time to go back and kind of pull all the masters and and redo it for HDR. So there's a lot of great movies that probably will never see the, the light of day in terms of HDR remastering. It's possible. Um, a lot of studios, though, have converted uh, their catalog to 4K already, and to some extent that might have been at a greater range than what is, you know, maybe not HDR, but perhaps greater than just the 8-bit color that we would have, an 8-bit bit depth of 
um, standard Ultra HD because they want to preserve their content the best that it possibly can. And every time they run these old films through a machine, it's going to degrade them. Mm-hmm. So they did this 20 years ago when they were, you know, and, and sooner as they were moving to HD. And now they're doing it again to move to 4K. Um, presumably they'll do it again in another 10 years for 8K or something or whatever we're up to at that point. But um, it's, 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 yes, are you going to find spies like us in HDR? Um, probably you, not. How did you know I was thinking about spies like <laughs> us? Um, great movies. It, one of my favorites, probably my favorite comedy, I think. But uh, yeah, so um, so yeah, so it's it's yes, those smaller movies might not be done as quickly, but you'll certainly see others, um, you know, that you've heard of. Those will come out first, which is always the case. That's the case it was with Blu-ray and the case with DVD and so forth. So we'll see. But uh, but the other important part, and this is something I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time on, is. The HDR format itself, and so this can't. It's, of course, this isn't just easy. There's oh, oh. multiple HDR formats. Do I, and feel, do I feel? Do I feel a VHS and Beta issue coming up? Well, thankfully, no. I, I hesitate to call it a format war. Um, if I wanted to get you know all the clicks and make a nice clickbaity article, I would. But I, I'm, I don't. I don't feel that it is because there is one base format called HDR10 that pretty much everything um, works with. It's a free, it's the free version essentially. And it's not the best looking, but it works. It's better than standard definition or standard dynamic range. Um, so it's, it's pretty much everywhere. And it's re- if you want better than that is that's when it comes into or different options. That's when these other formats come into play. So, at the very least, you should be able to find an HDR10 version of the movie that you want to watch, um, but you might not have it exactly where you want it. So, like, it'll be on uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray. That'll have an HDR10 version if there's an HDR version. But if you're on, uh, I can't remember which which formats were on which service. But say you're trying to find it on Vudu, that might only have the Dolby Vision version or this, or so forth. So there's it's not quite as bad as VHS versus beta, where if you picked one, you couldn't watch the other ones. This one, it just is maybe you can't, but maybe you can kind of weirdness. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the main things that, that the main other formats are Dolby vision, which is, um, it gets a lot of, it gets kind of technical and probably too long of an explanation of why, but, but it potentially looks a little bit better than HDR 10. Oh. Uh, but it's a, but it costs money for the television company to put that in, and it costs money. It's it's a the license you know, issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, let's pause our our discussion with HDR for a second, because of course you know Ultra HD is 4K content, correct? And above. Uh, yeah, should be at least 4K. Yeah, 4K and above. So you know. The, the big news at CES, let's say, five years ago was Ultra HD, you know, the move to 4K. Right. Essentially, 2K is more or less is what, what high definition is, and then we go to 4K, which is ultra high definition. And then, of course, now there's chatter about 8K. The difference between 4K and 8K, at some point, when is it meaningless? <laughs> it already is, yeah, Well, I think. it already is. Is, is 8K <laughs> sort of meaningless? Uh, I think 4K is actually fairly meaningless, but the uh, the that's yeah the numbers and stuff it all gets very confusing. 4K is really just a shorthand. 4K 
generally speaking, when we're talking well, when we're talking about televisions, 4K and Ultra HD are the same thing. Mm-hmm. The the resolution of Ultra HD televisions is uh, I always get this mixed up 3840 by 2160. Uh, so it's four times the resolution of HD and 4K in terms of cinema and in some projectors is actually 4096 by 2160 or something. Um, there's going to be a test on this later, so make sure you write Thanks it all down. For writing it all down. Yeah, so there's just that's that's uh, that's for all the pedantic people who are freaking out that we're saying Ultra HD and 4K are the same thing, which believe it or not, there still is people who do that. Uh, I'm but, sure. Uh, but anyway, so yes, so uh, the Ultra HD is four times the resolution of HD, and on a big enough screen. That's a, that you can see that um, I recently put in a 4K projector and the extra detail is amazing. I love it. In a 50 inch TV, your eye really is going to have difficulty resolving the difference between 1080p and 4K. Anyway, there might be a slight difference, but it's it comes down to the content and how close you're sitting and all this other stuff. Um, it was a it was a fight that I was never really wanted to have. I just I wrote an article many years ago about how 4K was stupid, and it, it is. But it, I even said in that article, it doesn't matter. This is the way things are going, so we might as well just you know get along. Um, so it's it is what it is. It's fine. To move to 8K is is at, when 4K was already more than enough. Is kind of uh, I don't know. It, it'll probably happen someday, but it's a long way away. We're still not even fully into the 4K. Uh, universe yet so we'll hold that thought because we've got to take a quick commercial break this is popular technology radio we'll be right back it's spring time to wake up and get a great deal jolt them out of their winter slumber with dodge challenger the most affordable v8 in its class or dodge charger with up to 300 horsepower with 30 mpg highway or Dodge Durango, the most powerful SUV with available all-wheel drive in its class. Spring's here, and so are the deals. So wake up and join the Brotherhood of Muscle. Based on Ward's Middle Specialty Vehicle Segment, EPA estimate, actual mileage may vary. Based on 2017 Ward's Miss Export Utility Vehicle Segmentation, excludes other FCA US LLC vehicles. Welcome back, everyone. Popular Technology Radio, Mike Etchart with Jason Masters and Jeff Morrison. He, the editor-at-large for The Wirecutter. We are talking about the myriad of things you need to know as you are shopping, potentially, as I am, potentially, uh, for a new television. HDR, we are tabling just for a second. We talked about that a lot. We're going to get back to it. But now we're going back to 2K versus 4K versus 8K. Jeff, you mentioned in your last segment, you were talking about... Certainly, when you when you have a large when you're using a projector and, and what are you, what, what size screen are you projecting that projector on where you where 4K looks dramatically better? Uh, the 16 by nine part of it because it's a 2.35 the one screen I think, but the 16 by nine portion is like a little over 100 inches. I think it's like 103 inches okay. or something. So yeah. if you a hundred inch screen, certainly 4K is is a worthwhile improvement for that yeah. setup. What about if I have a 65 inch television? Is that noticeable? Little if bit? you're sitting fairly close to it, you know, like maybe eight feet away, seven feet away, um, yeah, you probably would notice a difference between that and a 1080p model. But most people sit about 10 feet away from their TV, and most people buy a 50, 55 inch TV, and in those sizes, it's just it's not that necessary. But again, this is kind of a moot point at this point because you can't buy 1080p TVs anymore. They're pretty much, I mean, I'm maybe in a tiny size, but in normal size TVs, they're all um, they're all 4K. So so it's fine. So the, I guess the point would be to to not worry about 8K 
Like, yes, it will happen. We'll probably still hear news about it. I'm sure they're going to broadcast some stuff from the uh, Tokyo Olympics in 2020 as in, in 8K and we'll probably see some even sooner than that. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's a long way away before we'll see anything useful. Oh, and I guess what, what I was kind of curious about is, is, is um, you know, if something is shot digitally, a movie is shot digitally, are they shooting it in 8K just for, you know, to have the highest resolution possible as, as a master? Um, or is that even for, for studios kind of an impractical thing? Nah. Um, I think the cameras at this point are all test test camera stuff like laboratory experiments um I, many movies i mean i'm not sure what the actual numbers are but a lot of movies now aren't even shot in 4k they'd still only be in tw- in 2k mm. so the high the, the you know the big blockbusters yeah those are probably 4k occasionally there's a few iconoclastic filmmakers who still shoot on film like mm-hmm. um uh, but, you know, Christopher Nolan, I think, is just a huge film fan. Um, so that, that's those that's actually a good thing because you can, can the, the the detail in film is so much higher than what you can get on digital still, uh, at least the better quality film. Um, so maybe down the road, those will actually look great. But it's rare that, that well, you know, in audio, you have the, the kind of the whole, you know, people recording still onto tape versus right digitally. And, and it, but it's amazing that, that shooting on film still has. A dynamic range that is broader than anything that digital capture. Yeah, and and that's a good analogy. And I, I found it funny that that um, I've I've certainly read comments from people who are kind of talking badly about recording audio analog. And I was like, well, two inch mag would record out to fifty kilohertz. I mean, that there's there's there was some high quality stuff. I mean, yeah, you're recording on cassette. It sounds terrible, but that's not what these people were doing. Oh, it's two inch tape. Yeah. So I mean, that was a, a great medium, but. Um, uh, and certainly better than uh, the the early stages of digital, which all sounded pretty mediocre. And and it's the same with with you know digital cameras, where uh, if it's a lower budget movie, it might even be shot on a handful of digital SLRs, uh, or at least some low end professional grade cameras. And then the high end stuff and the red cameras and and so forth that are much higher quality, that have a huge dynamic range. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what a lot of companies are, are looking at is more of getting their dynamic range up, getting the colors up, because in the, on the professional side, this isn't even a debate. They all know that the resolution is a tiny, tiny factor in this and, in, and one of the least important factors of any uh, the, the quality of any image, that it's much more important of what the what the pixels look like, not the number of them. So having a wider dynamic range, having a wide color gamut, so that you have more uh, a wider palette of colors to use. These are the things that, from the camera side to the mastering stage, uh, even TV manufacturers, if if you can get one to talk to you honestly, they're much more interested in in those aspects than the number of pixels, which has always been the easiest thing to upgrade, the easiest thing to market, but the, one of the least important factors in how a TV looks. Well, that is the money shot right there, what you just said. <laughs> to to the, use the equivalent of in audio, uh, that is the most important thing because it, you're right. From a marketing standpoint, it's really easy to talk about the resolution. Oh, yeah. It's super easy, and and uh, and and people glom onto that, and people get obsessed with that. But in fact, it's a small part of the picture, and that's right. that is that's. Okay, we're going to put that in the tagline, I think, <laughs> podcast for the radio show. Okay, so we we, we we've kind of covered the 2K versus 4K versus 8K. Let's jump back. 
actually, let's take a quick commercial break. We're going to jump back to HDR when we get back. We'll, we'll kind of talk about now where do we get, you know, in, in the streaming services have hide, have the new HDR movies and where can we get all that stuff as, as the uh, physical product tends to disappear or is disappearing. So we've got that and more when we come back. This is Popular Technology Radio. We are coming right back. After this. There are many words you could use to describe the new Kia Stinger GT. Stunning. Stylish. Sporty. The word breathtaking, however, isn't just an adjective. It's a warning. Because while the ability to go 0 to 60 in 4.7 seconds might take your breath away, going 60 to 0 with powerful Brembo brakes will help you catch it again. The 2018 Kia Stinger GT. Fueled by youth. Stinger GT rear-wheel drive using launch control with factory-equipped 19-inch wheels. Results may vary. Do not attempt. Always drive safely. We are coming back with Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchard and Jason Masters, and our good friend Jeff Morrison, editor-at-large of Wirecutter, also author. You go to Amazon.com. You can see his two books, Undersea and Undersea Atrophia. And uh, great to have him here. We are talking about HDR, the kind of the thing that you need to know if you're looking for a television. Uh, my, to my, as far as my wife is concerned, I am not looking for a television. <laughs> I share with the listeners that I am, in fact, looking for a television. <laughs> so I wanted to get the lowdown, the scoop, the skinny on HDR, and Jeff has got it. So, Jeff, uh, now that I've bought my TV, allegedly, um, what, where am I finding these HDR movies? Are they on iTunes? Are they on Amazon? Are they, do I have to do physical product? What's the story with that? Yeah, I mean, with it, as with uh, it has been for a long time, the discs are really the, the best uh, the best option. I mean, mm. Ultra HD, Blu-ray is going to look better than any streaming service. But, of course, that means you need an Ultra HD Blu-ray player, you need to buy the discs, and the vast majority of people are don't want to do that. It's all about streaming. Um, most of the streaming services are going to have HDR versions of movies. Uh, Vudu does a really good job. Um, I think there are Ultra HD movies on Amazon as well. I know their shows are off. Well, a lot of their brought, you know, their um, the Amazon Prime shows are in, on Ultra HD, and some of them are HDR. Favorite show, Bosch. Um, yeah, that's what I haven't seen, but I've, I've, oh, it's great. I've heard it's very good. Yes. If you're from L, if you live in the greater LA area, as we all, well, Jason, as you and I do, uh, you have to watch Bosch. You have to see it just for the whole LA touch. Point. Yeah. Apparently my local police station was in an episode or something. So I do want to find that. <laughs> not yeah. that you've seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, not, not on the outside. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Netflix is another one where uh, a lot of their, um, their shows are in HDR, um, so it's you kind of have to look around for it. But generally, there'll be uh, lists online, and there will be uh, if you click on like oh, I want to watch this movie, and you look at it, and it'll have an option that says oh it's this type of HDR, um, and that would kind of ties us back into the the whole you know HDR format thing where you know what will play on your TV, mm-hmm. and uh, generally you know like. LG will, will play most of them, or TCL might play most of them. Samsung is kind of, as they have for many years, beat to their own drummer. So um, they have their own higher-end format called HDR10 Plus that they want everyone to use, but no one is. Um, but because they have that, they're not going to do Dolby Vision. So, uh, yeah. What happened hasn't Samsung should just look in the past to see Sony? That Sony has tried that so many times and it rarely works. In so many ways, Samsung is the new Sony. 
Yeah, isn't that funny? Well, Jason and I were talking earlier about you know the going back a generation or so when when Sony was the top brand, and then the Korean companies kind of came in, obviously Samsung and LG, and now we're with Chinese companies. You know, what's what's after China? Are are these TVs being made, or is China still where everything is made, or are these things being manufactured these days in maybe other countries in Vietnam or in India? At the moment, they're still mostly made in China. I think some are made in Taiwan. Um, there's a handful of, of, of factories in Japan still. Korea, obviously. I mean, most of the mid and higher, higher end stuff uh, from Samsung and LG are all going to be made in-house in Korea. Uh, but that is an interesting question and probably worth a whole other uh, no, sure. hour-long discussion of what is the next China because there's certainly – there will be and what that is that option. and. Um, I did a, a long-form article a couple of years ago where I was talking about how it took you know decades for, to go from everything was made in the U.S. and I, I used TVs as like a, a as the main carry through the article, but of course there was a lot of other things uh, that followed this path. But it took decades for uh, while everything was made in the U.S. and then Japan started making stuff, and it was like, oh look, this is all this crappy stuff from Japan, yes. and it took Japan maybe let's say 20 years, 25 years to just be the dominant force in electronics. Well, it took the Koreans maybe 15 years to go from, oh, they just make all this crappy stuff to, oh, no, they make the best stuff. Um, and it's now it's taken – China, I think, is still not quite as widely respected as the Korean companies, but they're certainly getting there. Like you even – you had mentioned the TCL TV you want. I mean when they first came on the market, it was kind of like, oh, what, who are these guys? And I went to a couple of their press conferences and I was really kind of surprised. Like, well, they, they really got it. Like I could tell that these guys were going to be something – uh, at some point, like that, that year's TVs weren't good, but I could see where they were going. And it was just maybe three or four years that they was like, okay, no, nope, we're going to recommend these. These are fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so amazing. it's, yeah. And so there is going to be certainly another place that's going to be manufacturing these things as, as uh, the Chinese labor market kind of outprices itself for, for cheap electronics, which is inevitable. Um, I think you, that's probably something you could ask anybody. The trick is going to be where that ne next spot is. That I don't know. Exactly. Hey, speaking back to HDR, so is HDR, you know, depending on, obviously, if I'm going to stream a movie, whether it's through Netflix or Amazon or whomever, I'm using a streaming device. Does that streaming device need anything, anything special to, is, is, is HDR technology just a pass through on that device or? or? No. Nope. Of course not. Uh, if it's if you've bought it in the last couple of years, it probably has HDR um, capabilities. Um, it's a basically it's a it's the HDMI connection, and I don't that's not the cable, but the actual connection uh, on on the device has to be smart enough to handle this stuff. Um, it, it's most of the mo recent you know, streaming devices from the last couple of years have all been HDR. But if you have an older one, no. The good thing is, is that most TVs, most HDR TVs have apps built in, and those will probably do HDR, almost certainly will do HDR. Uh, oh, I see. If you're using the smart TV portion of the TV, if it's a, well, and I'm going to guess most TVs that are HDR uh, ready have the smart components already built. Yeah. And that, but also like Roku makes, a, I think it's a $60 streaming stick, and it does 4K and it does HDR. It's the size of a thumb drive. It's what I have. I mean, and that does 4K and everything else. So it's, they're so cheap to get and they're so easy to use. Uh, I, I, but it's I, I don't think it's a big about. deal. It's another thing to think about just to make sure, you know, because sure. you spend the money for the TV and you realize, oh, I need to buy a streaming box. So like in the case of TCL, I think they have Roku 
built into it. I don't think they do their own smart. I, I don't, not, not 100% sure of that. But I think um, yeah, I mean, they do have a Roku model. I, I'm not sure if the upper end ones do that too. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But okay, so that's all these things we need to do <laughs> along the way to getting of the best, you know, but, but in your opinion, and I'm, I'm guessing that, that I'm correct in wanting an HDR set, it's, it is probably something, it, it's the easiest thing to, to really maximize your viewing pleasure. Yeah, I mean, if you're buying a new TV and you're going through the effort to get an HDR television, you might as well get all the things that you need to make sure it looks its best. I mean, if you just buy the TV and you only ever give it HD, why'd you buy a new TV? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's it's Maybe it'll look a little better than your older television, but if you want it to look a lot better, then, yeah, you're going to need to upgrade the other pieces in your system to make sure it all works with HDR. And uh, that also ties in, like, if you have your streaming box connected to your receiver and the receiver connected to the TV, well, the receiver is going to need to be able to pass HDR as well. Right. Um, and, again, for the last few years, they have. But if it's an older model, eh, probably not. So it's frustrating, but that's how these things go. If you want the latest and greatest, you're going to need to pay the money to upgrade all of the pieces in the chain. Right. And then my, my follow-up, the last question on HDR would be, what's on the horizon? You know, am I going to get all settled into HDR and there's going to be something else in – are we going to – or is – obviously you can't afford – you can only go so far into the future. Oh, I can see into the future, no problem. Well, there you go. And that's why you are in your position. <laughs> uh, is there something on the horizon that I need to know about that, that maybe – Yes. Next? Oh, uh, but it's not um, it's not what you think. Don't, don't okay, worry. Hold that thought because we got yeah. to come to the end of the segment. That's a great lead-in. <laughs> we'll find out <laughs> what the prophecy of Jeff is when we come back. This is Pop Tech Week. Haynes, the worldwide leader in vehicle repair information for over 50 years, is now available in electronic format with Haynes Manuals Online. You get all the trusted content of the Haynes printed manuals, but with added features including over 750 color photographs, color wiring diagrams, and videos to help you do the job right. They're formatted for all electronic devices, and over 180 car, truck, and motorcycle titles are now available. The new Haynes Manuals Online are now available at Haynes.com. And we are back, Pop Tech Radio. Mike, that chart with Jason Masters. We are talking. We have the prophet Jeff, Jeff Morrison. He, of course, the editor at large of the Wirecutter. I was just saying, talking about future proofing my purchase of a new TV because it's got HDR on it. How am I safe? Am I safe for six months? Am I safe for three years? Prophet Jeff, what's on the horizon? I, and Prophet Jeff is fine. Uh, usually I go by internationally best-selling author Jeff Morrison. But, okay. You know, you I, undersea and undersea atrophia available on uh, Amazon right now. Prophet Jeff, I guess, is in a much shorter way, I oh. guess. So, uh, yeah, so the, the the thing that's on the horizon right now, and I, I actually have an article up on CNET uh, uh, that published a couple days ago about it, and it's called ATSC 3.0, and that is the Future Broadcast Standard. So ATSC 1.0 was HD. That's what we have had for 20 years or so. Um, it's what got us out of the analog days and broadcast these beautiful digital signals over the air for free. They skipped 2.0 
and which was just going to be kind of an update, and they just said, now nah, let's go for the big thing. And so now it's ATSC 3.0. The standards have been largely finalized. It's going to be Ultra HD for free over the air with uh, HDR and Dolby Atmos and all of these other things. Uh, basically, anything you've heard of tech-wise now is probably going to be all thrown into the mix for ATSC 3.0. It's not here yet. Uh, there are a few test markets around the country that are broadcasting, but you can't see it. It's just for testing purposes. Um, they're expecting that maybe by Christmas 2020, we'll actually have televisions that can decode these things. Uh, there will be there will be boxes for sure that get this stuff in. Like you plug the antenna into the box and the box into your TV, and now you have free Ultra HD over the air. And to tie that back to our HDR conversation. The HDMI or um, HDR10, Dolby Vision, these formats are extra data kind of on top of the video stream. Mm -hmm. And if you are streaming that from a, you know, a streaming service or if you put it on a disc or whatever, that extra data is not a big deal because uh, if you plug that into a TV that's not HDR, it's just they don't send it or it gets ignored. It's not a big deal. But for broadcast, you can only really send out one signal. Otherwise, the, anyone who doesn't have an HDR TV can't watch that signal. So there are two formats that are coming down the line, uh, HDR formats, that is. One's called Hybrid Log Gamma, which sounds kind of creepy but uh, or scary, but it's just we just HLG for short. And then Technicolors actually has one. They have a multiple different standards, and they, one of them also works over the air that this sig a single sing single signal would get sent out over the air and if you have an older tv um older H <laughs> ultra hd tv anyway that would just play back the ultra hd signal but if you had an hdr tv it would take the this additional data that's kind of hidden in the feed and then show you an hdr feed oh my goodness all right yeah. so in the last minute or so so i need to so just so I understand it, all of that stuff that is kind of coming down the pike and being tested now is really for over-the-air HD content, or, or in this case, over-the-air ultra HD content. Uh, yeah, the HTSC 3.0, yes, all of over that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. in my yep. case, I live in the hinterlands, and I can't get anything. Oh, uh, you're not going to get it anyway. I know where you live. You live in the sticks. You're not, exactly. You don't need to worry about this stuff. All right. Okay, so I'm feeling But if you live in an actual city somewhere, then yeah. this is something you could watch. Oh, all right. Some, in a few years anyway. All right. Well, I'm feeling better now about my potential purchase of, of a new television. And Jeff, I can't thank you enough for coming on this show. Can we do this again in the near future? It goes by so fast when you're here. It, it, it certainly does. Yes, I'd be happy to. Awesome. All right. If we can catch you in, in between your busy job stuff with uh, the wire. So that's it for this edition of Popular Technology Radio. We sure appreciate you listening in to us. Don't forget, you can go to any of your favorite podcast hangouts, whether it's iTunes or any of the myriad of other places you can get uh, podcasts. Uh, you can listen to our older episodes there, and you can, of course, listen to the most recent episodes if you missed anything. So do check us out there. You can also go to poptechradio.com 
which is where all that other lovely, luscious content lives. So uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the show. It was a gas. As I mentioned, I am really excited about getting a new television. I feel much better about HDR and my purchase since I can't get over the air TV. I'm, I think I'm future-proofing my purchase as best as I can. So hopefully you had a good listen as well. So join us for the next episode of Popular Technology Radio. I'm Mike Etchart. Thanks for listening in. We sure appreciate it. And we will see you next time. the measure of a car was how many people it turned into people who love cars, the Subaru Outback would be worth its weight in gold, thanks largely to its symmetrical all-wheel drive. Unlike other systems that wait for a wheel to slip, it powers all four wheels all the time, all while with better fuel economy than midsize SUVs. And the fact that the Outback is made in a zero landfill plant doesn't hurt either. It's a car that is truly built to be loved. Love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru.